Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. This is Season 2 with a brand new series on the book of Daniel. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. morning. That was weak. Good morning. morning. Much better. Know you're live. It's good. Jesus reigns, right? Jesus reigns. It's a good day. All right. How did you see the Lord this week? Don't speak up all at once. Good question, isn't it? How'd I see God this week? How'd I see Jesus this week? It's one reason why we gather here. It's good remembering. We're singing about him. We're hearing his word preached. Sometimes we get through the week, it gets weary. But really that part of how I saw the Lord, or looking to the Lord, that's the deal. Sometimes we speak of worship is what's going on here. It is. It's gathered worship. But every second of every day, every breath that we take is an opportunity to worship him. To live under his reign. We sang of his reign. To live acknowledging that, surrendered to that. We're going to... this. This book, Daniel, so turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Daniel chapter 4. I'm going to project some things. I am going to go fast today, which will be a surprise to you. And thank you. And you want to see it in the Bible. And if you're borrowing one, you can underline that one. Because there's a lot of stuff to underline and look through. Whether it's Mike preaching or Rob preaching or Joe preacher or myself, we want Jesus to be seen and exalted. Doesn't matter who the messenger is. We want you to see it in his word. We want you also to learn to read his word seeing it. So we, if you've noted, if you've watched the five-year trajectory, we're, we're identifying things like that more along the way. The class that Mike often does over here, I think Leo's doing a class right now. Is that right? Is it done? Oh, did you get to it? Good. It's a good class, wasn't it? Okay. So I, I think did he do? Did did Mike do Daniel four today? Okay. So I, you just want to get into that class before the, the pre, because you're just going through the preach word. So we're doing it on both campuses. Sometimes there's little kids there. You're just ready for it. So how we saw God today. Um, a couple of you have asked. So I'm going to give you just a really brief report. My dad, who had major open heart surgery Tuesday at 85 years old. Um, he's doing well. Um, so I'll tell you this part. So shorten the story. Tuesday surgery. Now, Monday is we, uh, our last appointment of 10 on Monday and pre-op was with the surgeon He's at Cleveland Clinic, and the first sentence is, this is a very risky surgery. Second sentence is, 99 out of 100 surgeons would not do this. Um, so he, my dad had uh, two valves replaced, mitral and aortic, two bypasses, but they were totally calcified, which means if you think like uh, Yellowstone and uh, and all the uh, calcium, the rock, it's like hard like rock. So... That's got to get peeled away so they can see if you can attach a new valve to it. And the tricky thing is, how much gets peeled away and how much do you leave? Got to be enough to attach something, some good stuff in there. But he could bleed out. And he just told us that. So um, I watched my mom navigate this wonderfully. Um, 
was, it was three exhausting days um, into that. But just, you know, God knows our fears, right? He knows our worries. He knows our fears. That's why the scripture addresses it again and again and again, Old and New Testament. Don't stuff them. Don't pretend they're not there. Just take them to him. And I watched her. We're, you know, we, we prayed together, go through scripture, walk, watch her walk out in the hall. She is, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Nothing can separate you from Jesus' love. Not even death. She's casting the cares there. Okay, let me, let me say this to you. <clears throat> That's an act of worship. To, to cast it there. You don't know what's going to happen. You know this God loves you. You don't know what it'll be. But you're putting it there. I just watched her do it wonderfully. And uh, yeah, we worship her. God brought him through. We worshiped. Which I'll tell later on. That's different than relief. We worshiped. <clears throat> so he's doing well. Uh, vitals come, have come back in a lot of ways. I could go through all the details. But basically, his heart is not rhythming on its own, which is not uncommon. He might need a pacemaker, and that's it. That's a small thing. I joked with him yesterday. Maybe the Packers playing in preseason will reboot your heart here. You know, he gets excited about his team. I said, this is an act of love. Drew, Tammy's not here? Tammy's okay. So I carried his Packers blanket into his, so this is an act of love. I'm not sure I want to touch this as a Bears fan, you know, gave it to him. And, but he's, he's doing well. So thanks for your prayers. It will be a long road. It'll be a long road. Saw God in a lot of ways. Chapter 4, okay, this whole thing, all, this whole book is revealing God. And we kind of wonder on this, I mean, it, so chapter 4 ends really the whole Nebuchadnezzar part. So he's been involved in every, every one of these four chapters. Kind of like, does he get it? Does he, does he understand who God is? And I, I know in the class that there have been one of the questions you've been working through. So I'm going to just remember this. Um, so what we're doing is, is pastors, we're kind of like, what's the main theme running through the book? And I'm telling you, you can see this in some way in every chapter. And, and, and this is it. Sometimes we call it the melodic line. It's through four kings or five, if you count Jehoiakim, five kings, three empires, as kingdoms rise and fall. Remain faithful to the king, the eternal king. I think we got this one. Remain faithful to the king, the eternal king who rules over all. So the call to us is to remain faithful. Kings come and go. The Lord reigns over all. And you see that again and again. You're going to see it in the visions. You're going to see it in the narrative. You see it declared again and again. It's a theme that runs through the whole book. So, so we're coming in chapter 4 in a narrative, in a story. I don't want to just jump in and begin reading 4. We have to think about what was before. So just like if you're watching a TV series, they do that little snapshot previously. So let's think previously. Chapter 2, what's going on? It's when Daniel comes from the forefront. Uh, the king's had this disturbing dream. He doesn't know what it is. He can't remember the dream. Remember it? So he calls him and you, hey, you magi, you've got to tell me the dream and you've got to tell me what it means or I'm going to kill you. And they don't know and so... Eventually, Daniel gets put forward. And, and the dream, as Daniel tells me, it's like this, this big, huge statue. The head is gold. The body's silver. The thighs are bronze. The legs are iron. The feet are iron and clay. And as Daniel tells him that in the interpretation, he says, these are all kingdoms, O king. The, the, the gold head is you. The rest of the kingdoms are kingdoms to come. They are inferior, is the word he uses. And remember what happens to that statue? Raise, I won't call on you. Raise your hand if you remember what happens to that statue. Big statue. Because this is the point. 
People always try to figure, oh, what kingdom is here? No, no, the point is what happens to the statue? What happens to the statue? This little stone that's uncut by human hands, it hits the statue, it crumbles like dust. That's the point. It's the point of the book. People are always trying to figure out this vision, who's this kingdom, what that kingdom. It's about the eternal king. His kingdoms rise and fall, remain faithful to the king, the eternal king, who rules over all. That's the vision. So here, let me read uh, two. Here's Daniel's interpretation, verses 44 and 45. I think we got it. And in the days of those kings, this is the interpretation. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Whose kingdom's that? That's Jesus' kingdom. That's the one he's building right now. Kingdom Jesus talked about. That's among you. He says this. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand. That's Jesus, friends. That it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the silver, the the clay, the silver, the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is true. This is prophetic. It's about the kingdom that Jesus is building, the eternal kingdom he's building right now in his people. It's invisible. It's unseen. It's carrying the persecuted church just like it carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's all over. It's all over. So God reveals this mystery to to King Nebuchadnezzar. And at the end of chapter 2, this is what King Nebuchadnezzar says to Daniel. Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Does he get it? Notice he says, your God. He speaks of what this God is like, that he reveals mysteries. He's amazed by it. He sees the activity of God. So we get to chapter 3 as Mike preached last week. I, I I read notes I didn't look at, but I'm like, Oh, this is, I just wanted to be here so bad. And uh, what's Nebuchadnezzar do when he gets his dream? Ah, that gives me an idea. I should, if I'm the head of gold, uh, I'm going to make this statue. So he makes a 90-foot, nine-story statue of gold of him. Do you think he got the dream? No. Oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the main king. He didn't get the stone. He didn't get it, even though he's seen what God does. So he makes this statue, all of him, and, and then he calls everybody, you've got to worship this statue or die. What's it called us? It's what those, those three friends did. His kingdoms rise and fall, remain faithful to the king who rules over all. It's a call to faithfulness. In every situation we have to interact, we want to interact with the Lord. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a silly thing at work, someone smearing your reputation. Our lives may be threatened, our reputations may be tainted, but the real question is this, always this. It's not solving the problem. It's not recovering my reputation. It's, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let me say this to you. In the time of fire, the time of unfair, the time of persecution, It may be the single greatest opportunity you will ever have in your entire lifetime to magnify Jesus, to declare the truth of the gospel. It's better than reading a gospel tract to somebody on on the street. How we respond in persecution, in conflict, things that are unfair. Is my heart really fixed on Jesus? Do I really believe that nothing can separate me from his love? It's right in those things. And you go, I can't do this. Exactly. You can't phrase I use 
Lord brought me through some fires a few years ago. I said, the Lord made me depend on him. Made me. Dependence is a good thing on Jesus. And if you will, you'll find it to be a place of worship. We all got stuff we have to deal with. One guy's stuff is not the same as another person's stuff. We all have it. It's actually how Jesus is magnified. The angels rejoice. The demons hate it. Satan hates it. What are these weak people? What are they doing? It's worship, friends. And we watch it with Daniel and his three friends all the way through. So he builds this big, huge thing. If you don't worship it, you know, you're going to get killed. And you see how uh, I, I love how Daniel's friends respond. In chapter thing, Oh, king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Pause. Have they ever seen that? How do they know? You know what they know? They know the same thing you've got right here. They know that God brought his people right to the Red Sea. They know that God had Noah build a boat, a global flood. God did that. They know what God's like from the Scripture. That's what they know. And they said, he'll deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image you set up. Remain faithful, friends. That's... That's what God, that's the work we need Him to do in us. And it's through the fire that it happens. And I assure you, in this room, some of us will be tested in ways that we cannot anticipate. They didn't see this coming. And God dramatically rescues Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't know how he'd do it. And the king watches it happen. The guys are actually carrying the three guys, they die. And he sees a fourth person like the son of sons of gods. He doesn't know what this is. Is it Jesus? Is it angels? A fourth one in there protecting him. He knows God has done something. And at the very end of chapter 3, here's Nebuchadnezzar's declaration. This is right before 4. He said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their god. So we wonder if he gets it. Therefore I make this decree that any people, nation, or language that speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, their houses laid in ruins, for there's no other God who's able to rescue in this way. Spoken like a king, right? If you don't, if you speak against that guy, I'm going to wreck your house, tell you, tear you from limb from limb. Does he get it? Notice he's always speaking of the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He speaks of him in the way he rescued. No one can rescue like him. The chapter before, he speaks of him like a revealer. Does he get it? So much of God that he's seen. I don't think he gets it yet. Now, and we didn't collaborate. Did you do so? You did chapter four in the class, right? Okay. So I don't know how we'll, we'll see if we landed the same places. Look at chapter four. I'm going to read the first three verses. <clears throat> so that was all. That's what has just happened. I think it's necessary to get there. That's what's going on. And then we jump to that's his declaration. We jumped to the beginning of chapter four. Here we go. This is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His works, 
His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I'm going to read the next sentence, which I don't have there. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house. Okay, what's going on? So, oh, you do have that. Thank you. Let's go back to the first three. What's going on there? So it looks like, that looks like a little different statement than what he's made before. So how many of you have read this chapter already? Read the whole thing. This helps me know how we're tracking. Okay, so I'm going to go through it. But here's what, hap- here's what this is. This is Nebuchadnezzar's declaration. It is very similar to what he says at the end. So basically, he's speaking of God, then he tells a story how he got there. That statement right here seems a little different, doesn't it, than the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Something's going on here a little bit more. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Now, I don't think there's a full telling that he gets it all here, but when we get to the end, it, it, it's quite interesting. So it, this statement is a statement that Nebuchadnezzar, has, it's a conclusion he's come to after the events that he is now going to tell us about in, in verse 4. Does that make sense? Oh, let me say this. Did anybody, when you read this, you're like confused, like, does he get it yet or not? Is that confusing anybody? Well, I guess that's the only one. Okay. It wasn't confused to anybody else. I read the end of three and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's their God. And then he says this in the beginning of four. I'm like, what, what happened? How did, he, how did he get there? Well, this statement is actually a conclusion he came to at the end. So he makes his pronouncement. Now he's telling us what happened and how he got there. So that's maybe it's helpful only to me. Okay. I don't see anybody going like that was helpful. Okay. Verse four. <clears throat> now he's telling it. If you'd come to Mike's class, it'd be much more helpful to you. That's what I should say. (laughs) It would. Um, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid as I lay in bed. The fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. That sounds similar to some other times, right? Okay. But notice that phrase, I was at ease in my house, prospering in my palace. I'm just minding my own business, just enjoying life. I'm the king. Got all this stuff going on. That's what he has. And I got this dream. That disturbs me. So here's what's very interesting about all this. I think it's worth pausing on. You follow chapters 2, chapters 3 that lead up to this. King Nebuchadnezzar himself has experienced God at work. He's experiencing God revealing what no one can reveal. Daniel clearly pointed it out. Daniel said, it's not me. I serve a God who reveals mysteries. He sees God saving miraculously three guys thrown into fire. The guys carrying them die. And God sends an angel or someone along. They don't even smell like smoke. I mean, that's like God's gone over the top to show him his saving. But friends, seeing's not enough. And he declares truth about God. This is the bit, the frightening thing about Nebuchadnezzar. Declaring truth about God isn't enough. So many things that he knows about God. Here's the deal. His life is not yielded to the Lord yet. It isn't. We see this as the chapter unfolds. He has not surrendered his life to the Lord. It's kind of like he's like, yeah, this is who God is. You know, I, I see why you might need him or other people might need him. I'm doing okay. I like God. I'm on God's team. I can talk about God. He hadn't surrendered to him. You know what that's like? All the time. Friends, we don't like talking about kings because we don't like leaders right now. We don't trust them. There's only one you can trust. 
And it's Jesus. The only one that we can truly submit all to, trust everything with, it's Jesus. All the way through. And you don't lose when you follow him. Well, you might lose your life, but you don't lose. Jesus said that. What can they do? All they can do is take my life. You don't. But God's got to get our hearts there. So just this part about Nebuchadnezzar seeing God and actually declaring things about him, he has not submitted. It, it should be a little frightening thing for us. to. We should hear Jesus' words, uh, Matthew 7. Some will say, Lord, Lord. He goes, I, I never knew you. Did we do this for you? Did we do this in your name? Didn't I? Never knew you. Both Old Testament and New Testament, really, they bring us in to that. Well, um, he's disturbed by the dream, brings in the Magi. They can't interpret it. So Daniel comes in. Verse 9. O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in their interpretation. So notice this. Once again, Nebuchadnezzar not only recognizes God, he recognizes that God's spirit is within Daniel. You hear that? The integrity of Daniel and his friends, the way they, they live out remaining faithful to the Lord, their uncompromising faith, their willingness to die rather than deny the Lord, this, this says something to the king. It's true for all of us. At school where you are, where you work, your neighbors, how we live this out matters. So God, I, I think we'll see God move in Nebuchadnezzar all, all along. He's not there yet. But he calls Daniel because he knows that about Daniel. He knows that about Daniel's God. He knows that about how, how Daniel walks us out. Remain faithful. Here's a dream. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell it. Verses 10 to 18. So you got to imagine this. There's this big, huge, beautiful tree. It goes all the way up to heaven. Biggest tree ever seen. It's immense. It's strong. It's full of fruit. We've had some hot days here. Like shade. It's got shade all over. So all the animals are finding shelter under this shade. And a holy watcher comes down from heaven and declares, chop it down. Lop off its branches. Strip the leaves. Scatter the fruit. Let the beasts and the birds run away. Let only a stump remain. See that big tree? See the watcher's declaration? Come, get the, down to a stump. A band is put around it. And then the watcher changes. It's talking about this tree that becomes a stump. And then, it, then the watcher says, let him be wet with dew. Let him be with the beast and given the mind of a beast. Why is it said this way? The sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to, to the end, for this reason, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. The living, it's all, everyone else. They'll see these events, all those who remain. I think we got that verse, 17. That the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and He gives it to whom He will and sets it over the lowliest of men. Let me ask you this. Is that still true today? In terms of our God, has God changed? He hasn't changed. He's going to give it to whom He will. Might be a person He didn't vote for. Might be a guy who's an evil king. It's amazing how the church grows in persecution. You, you can't squelch the, the kingdom of God. He, he's going to push it through in places you can't see. It won't make sense. 
See this in missions all the time. The Westerners left and the church, church prospered. Why is that? I can't explain how God does things. I mean, you know, in the New Testament, the church spreads. They actually start doing the Great Commission when persecution comes. That's why they leave. And it's normal people, not the apostles that take it. I, I can't explain God's ways, but I'll say this. He's going to build his kingdom. And he t- raises kings up. And he tears kings down. He says, this vision is so that the living will know that about the Most High. Israel would know that. Think of the people in the captivity, how they watch that. They're wondering about God, still longing for Messiah as they're in captivity. There's something of God that's being demonstrated here. So verses 19 to 27, Daniel's giving the interpretation. He tells the king, this, is a, this O king, is about what God Most High, how he's going to humble you. And basically, this great king, Nebuchadnezzar, is going to go mad and live among animals, eating grass like an ox. His, his hair is going to grow out like eagle's feathers, for it says seven seasons, whatever that is. Seven years, seven months, seven time period. Don't know, but some kind of time period. I guess hair like, pretty long to get hair like an eagle's feather. It's, probably, it's a long time. It's going to happen. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, circle verse 27. Because after giving the interpretation, here's what Daniel says. This is really interesting. I'm going to talk about it for a minute. Daniel says, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Daniel is giving the interpretation. Now he's going further. Daniel's giving his recommendation to the king. Let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. This is instructive for us. What's Daniel want? Daniel wants the spiritual well-being of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's basically urging a proud king to repent. What he's doing. And I'll just, you could connect the story of pride all the way through chapters 2 and 3. In Nebuchadnezzar's own words, he identifies it very clearly in the last verse here. That's, that's what's going on. Daniel sees it. He's urging him to repent. So I, I just want to think about this. Any pride in you? Is there any pride there? I think, I think pride stalks us all in different ways. And the problem is we don't, we don't tend to see it. We tend to see it in other people. There's different ways and different clothes it wears. But pride's a pretty common thing. I, I was struck by this. Uh, go ahead and put 27 up again. You can leave it up actually while I tell this story. I was struck by this part about by showing mercy to the oppressed. Why is that in there? I just want to think for a moment about the relationship between pride versus showing mercy. So I was kind of wrestling with that this week a little bit, just kind of thinking about, right, wrestling with. This is a verse I thought about a few times reading through this. So in between things, I'm. You know, doing a couple of things with word partners, doing a couple of things in the sermon. And so I'm going to tell you about Friday. <clears throat> Just switch shifts with my mom. It's late morning. I'm walking back to the hotel. It's about three blocks. Uh, Cleveland Clinic is in a, I mean, it used to be a bad neighborhood as far as what was going on. You still see neighborhood people around. I love who they got working in there. It just, it's, it's, uh, just a, it's a very interesting place. So I'm walking up on the corner. There's um, this woman. Uh, she's in a wheelchair, hair pretty disheveled. Her eyes are not clear. Um, she's, her one leg is, is um, from knee down, I think it's missing. So she asked me for some money, for some cash so she could take an Uber home. 
And I said, uh, I'm, I, said I, don't, I don't carry cash with me. And just looked at her and said, okay. So I started walking across the street. I don't, I, I don't remember how far I was. I don't remember if I crossed the street all the way or if I was right there. But the Lord reminded me, you, you bought umbrellas for your folks a couple days ago with a credit card, and your dad reimbursed you with cash. And I kept walking. I didn't turn around. Went back to the hotel. I was doing, this, uh, doing a couple of things, getting some stuff for my mom. And um, the Lord pulled up this verse to me. I was trying to think, why does, why does Daniel say that? Why is he talking about showing mercy to the oppressed? And the Lord just landed it on me as God's dealing with Nebuchadnezzar's pride. Why didn't that turn back when I remembered I had cash? It's proud. Proud. You know, also the Lord reminded me how much mercy had shown on our family that week. All this. And you can't be merciful here. Did you ever walk by a beggar, disheveled, not clear eyed? You're like, if I give him money, you're just going to use it for drugs. You don't have to raise your hand or point at anybody. But you ever think that? That's somewhere in my thought process. Might not be the first thing, but it gets in there when I'm reasoning through all this. And it's split seconds when this goes on. They'll just waste it. So somewhere as I'm still up in my hotel room, that thought's gone in there. You know what the Lord says? You ever waste my mercy? How much mercy have I shown on you? You ever waste my mercy? Is it your job to determine how 20 bucks, how someone's going to use 20 bucks of what they use it for? What's that? I think there's some pride in that. Meaning, follow. Have I ever wasted God's mercy? Yeah, I have. Forgetting at that moment. When I, when I see here, I'm not, I'm not thinking about God's mercy to me. That week, saving, sparing my dad. And I walk across the street. Initially, I didn't remember having a cake, but I did. I didn't go back. Conviction of God as I'm in that hotel room. I said, Lord, I'm a proud man. I don't even see it. Forgive me. Help me. Lord, I want to be full of your mercy all the time. Just help me to find her. So I go back. It's 20 minutes later. You know, I could see three blocks down. She's not on there. Oh, by the way, there, if you've ever been to Cleveland Clinic, there are hundreds of wheelchairs out there. People getting rides. I mean, it just gobs them. There's nothing on the street. Lord, would you help me find her? So I walk back two blocks, two and a half blocks, most of the last corner. I looked on the side street. I see a car. And uh, I think I see something with a hatchet, I, at the top of a, a wheelchair that they're putting in the back. I turn down the street and walk down there, and I don't see her. But, you know, a couple of white guys, and, hey, is there any, someone in the back of the car? Yeah. Can I? Yeah. So I open the door. There she is. Winds, windows are tinted. like, there she is. I tell her the story. So her why I came back. I said, so this is from the Lord. Take it from the Lord. And she just says, can you? My name's Tasha. Can you pray for me? And uh, <clears throat> so I prayed for me and her. <clears throat> oh, Uber driver listened to the whole story. <laughs> the guy who paid paid for the Uber listened to the whole story. You know, like I told the story just like I told you. That was about the Lord. And pride 
keeps me from seeing how much mercy the Lord's had on me. Why, why does Daniel call that out? I think there's a connection between showing mercy to others, the oppressed, it says, and dealing with the, the natural inborn pride that's in us. That's one way I want to think about Daniel's words, but there's another one too. Daniel clearly wants the king Nebuchadnezzar to repent, but think of who this king is. This is the very king who conquered Jerusalem and Israel, the nations in captivity. What's Daniel thinking about? Daniel's got his eyes on the Lord and his purposes. Not who this king is, not what he's done, but God's ultimate purposes and the spiritual well-being of Israel's enemy, the very man who ordered the execution of his three friends. He's basically appealing, Lord, king, would you turn your life over to the Lord? I think, friends, that is the sense of Jesus' words when he says to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. I think this is the heart of God. Amen? That's what's laid out before us. I think that's a key verse in this. If you want to talk about where, where God needs to work on me, I think Daniel's modeling the heart of God. But the king doesn't respond to Daniel's spiritual counsel. Scene 3 begins in uh, verse 28. I won't read all this, but basically it happens exactly like it was predicted a year later. The king's out looking over Babylon, you know, the hanging gardens. Look at this great Babylon that I've built. How does he say it here? 28. That I've built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. Just take it all in. Look what I've done. And the voice speaks from heaven. It happens exactly as a vision was given to him. A year later, guy goes mad like an animal. He's humbled. And we don't know how long those seasons are, but I, it's got to be a while if your hair is growing long like feathers. Okay? Probably, probably shorter for me than it would be for Bob Heiser or somebody here. But it, it, it's a while for that to happen. And he comes to his senses. I, I will read this final, this, this final paragraph. Because again, this is King Nebuchadnezzar's words. It's very interesting. Um, I think we got this. Pick it up at verse 34. Dream happens, it's prophesied. Now this is Nebuchadnezzar's declaration. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I, what's the word? And I blessed the Most High and what? Praised and honored Him who lives forever. Pause. This is a different expression than he's ever expressed. He's expressing of himself here. Is he in heaven or not? I don't know. There's something that's... I, this... This seems like a surrender to me. We'll, we'll find out. When we get there, we'll find out. And we'll have some interview with him and the whole deal. Look how he describes God. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. This sounds like Daniel's prayer. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the hosts of heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. Listen to this. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? God doesn't answer to us. He's not on trial. This king is saying something different than he's ever said in his life. At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. So it appears like it's all recovered. I'm just going to pause for a second. 
Because I think my, are you, you're doing chapter 5 here. So we're going to talk. But it's just interesting. His son is next. When you're reading this, here's look at Nebuchadnezzar's final declaration. We don't know how his life ends. But does his son get it? That's a, that's a lead into next week. Last verse. I think this is a big tell. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, look at the words. I what? I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are pure and those who walk in pride. He is able to humble. That's his declaration. Looks like he gets it, doesn't it? His kingdoms rise and fall. Remain faithful to the eternal king who rules over all. This chapter teaches us much about that part of remaining faithful, I think. I think one part, we've already said this, but the one part, the spiritual well-being of an enemy. That's what he wants. That's what Daniel's asking for. For that king to repent. And God does it. For there to be a, a humbling within us, receiving God's grace. How much mercy has He had on me? So our hearts are humbled in a way that we give grace to the oppressed. There's, it's just interesting. There's no restrictions on that. Why do I put restrictions on that? It's just a good question to ask the Lord if that's so for you. We see how God works all the way through this. God delights to raise the lowly, the humble, to bring down the proud. It's true for nations. It's true for each person's. There's a call, I think, here to gospel repentance. Just that. So how should we think about this? <clears throat> there's a, there's a um, polar opposite between Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Remember Daniel chapter 2? They're going like, Hey, we hear you could tell the vision. Nope. Nope. But I serve a God who can. He'll tell you. Nebuchadnezzar, what I've accomplished, what I've done. Here's, what, here's how God's children live. We understand that every single thing that we have, it comes from Him. If there's any good in me, it comes from Him. There's a life of this surrender to Him. That's how we live. It's a wonderful thing. So let me just finish with this little story. Um, I'm going I'm to just give you an example of one who walks with God, one who's not there yet. So my dad comes through surgery well. There's incredible relief there. Now, a person who's not a Christian, who has no understanding of God, would there be relief? Absolutely. Might even be a shout of joy. Woo! Yeah! Might say I'm lucky. Might say, you know, whatever they're going to say. person who walks with God, it's very different. Is there relief? Absolutely. Tears of joy? Yep. Why? Thanks to God. You did this. There's worship in those moments. There's worship. It's different than just relief. It's different than, oh man, we got through this. I'm so glad. Yes, there's relief. But the life connected to God, every single thing gets walked out that way. A life surrendered to Him. It's like in that moment, there is the joy is tenfold what the other one was. It, it's magnified over because my life is connected to, to your life. That's what happens with the person who walks with God. That's what Daniel's living out before. His three friends, the remaining faithful isn't just this, do this and you're gonna, it's going to work out good. It's bigger than that. 
It's a life of worship. So let me just ask you, friends, how has the Lord been patient and merciful towards you? And how does your life reflect His mercy? Let us respond with a wonderful surrender to Him in all things. A persevering faith that will stay the course no matter what. That will actually desire the spiritual well-being of all neighbors, acquaintances, and those who seem to be against us so that there would be more glory to Jesus and His will might be done right here on earth, right here in New Buffalo, just like it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. I'm humbled by Your mercy to me, O oh God. And I thank You that You keep working in us. I, I pray for all my friends here, Lord, each one. I, I pray, God, that we would just keep looking towards You because Your Spirit's active. If, you're, if we'll listen, we'll be in Your Word, You'll speak. That's the kind of guide You are. You want to change us and make us like the sun. It happens in the difficult things. And I don't, I don't know what's going on with everyone. You do. But I pray, Lord, for however this Word was meant to be heard, You'd take it deep hearts and lives today. And that, that all who hear, we know it's from You. And you do your work. You do the changing. You help us to live with the, with the courage to follow you. And Lord, if there's any, they're, they're yet to submit their life to you. They just haven't got there yet. They, they might even speak well of you. God, I pray that that part of yielding in, in absolute faith and surrender, that would be soon. It might even be today. Pray that you'd do that. Lord, thank you. In this community where you've placed us, would you make the name of Jesus glorious through your sons and daughters that you put all around in various places in this community? Thank you. Build your church. Build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.